Like so many other places, Denver is being turned into a third world city due to homeless encampments, crime, trash, syringes, and human feces on the streets. Vanessa Rutledge runs an organization of citizens who are mad as hell and have had it with the city not enforcing laws. This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com and searching for our channel IITV, which stands for Independence Institute TV. I'm John Caldera, the proud president of Independence Institute, and I know you're going to love this discussion. Our new mayor has put up, what, a thousand new homes or plans to by the end of the year. It's done. There's no more homeless problem. Vanessa Rutledge from Citizens for a Safe and Clean Denver is here to testify. Mission accomplished. Congratulations. Thank you. We are very excited that he was able to accomplish such a heady goal so quickly. It was remarkable. Absolutely amazing. All right. So you're one of the citizen organizations that has had enough. Like so many of us, you have had enough. Uh, let's, let's start off with the founding of this organization. What's your beef? <laughs> What's your problem? Well, Why can't you be happy? I know. We're just throwing wrenches and everything. When COVID first hit, there was an encampment in front of Moray Middle School, and it was there for about three, four, maybe five months. Um, all of the residents were calling either the police or their city council member, even some in the state house, and no one was getting anywhere. And that's when we said, hey, let's come together, form a group, and try to figure out what the heck is going on here. Because there was some large force greater than ourselves that were allowing these issues to persist in our city. You just hate the homeless. Oh, not at all. We are a very compassionate group, and we would really like to see them live a better life than in filth and trash and their own feces and urine abusing drugs on the street corner. But if it wasn't in front of your house, then you wouldn't have taken notice. I don't think so because it is all over the city. It is everywhere. You cannot go in a single solitary neighbor neighborhood in Denver and this not be an apparent issue in your face affecting all of us. So in California where they have energy brownouts, what they have is something called rolling brownouts or rolling blackouts, and they don't have enough energy for the whole state. And so what happens when they hit a capacity is they go, all right, we don't have enough energy. Your neighborhood goes without it for an hour. Your neighborhood goes without it for an hour. And they roll these blackouts. So everybody gets, I feel like that's starting to happen in Denver. So we clean out this area and then you guys get it for a while. And then you guys get some homeless relief. And then you guys add enough. And then we have these rolling encampments that go around or rolling homelessness. And when we say homeless, we always have to do this silly game of we're not talking about the people who are in motels and not the ones who are getting services. We're talking about vagrants. We're talking about people who, because of their mental illness or because of their drugs or because of they like living out on the streets, will not stay in shelters, and they're the ones that are causing the problems. Let's just call them street people or vagrants. We have dubbed them service-resistant campers. So <laughs> we, have, resistant we have offered them all of the services at the taxpayer's disposal, and they still refuse said services. So you kept trying for months 
to get them out in front of a school. This is a school. Was there a bus there, were you telling me? Um, there was all sorts of broken down RVs and vehicles that they were using as drug dens as well as, you know, prostitution and, you know, all the things that you would want in front of your kids' middle schools. in front of your house. How, how convenient. It's, it's kind of like food trucks, but this, this, this one is a drug den, this one is, is, a, is a whorehouse. And did they move around? Were they mobile? Some of them were. Um, we would sometimes get um, a semi-truck that would come in and haul them from location to location uh, when they knew that a sweep was coming or a camp decommission, as it's now been dubbed. So it's, it's a whole entire ecosphere, an ecosystem of um, just light in our neighborhoods that we are allowing to operate out of the guise of compassion. I've talked to some of the folks who clean these up, and it's not compassionate the way that these people are living in filth. And then you hear the stories of how gangs are using them to distribute drugs and how the gangs are uh, taking over these these encampments and using them and ruling them. And so, no, they're being abused like never before. There's nothing compassionate about any of this. What angers me is that the rest of the city is being victimized, but yet the media attention, the politicians, the officials, and all the services go on about a thousand to 1500 of these stubborn people who are out on the streets and all the attention goes there and the million or so people that have to deal with it and pay for it, those victims, they don't get any of the attention. And if one-tenth, one-twentieth, one-hundredth of the money, of the service, of the media attention went to the people who are getting victimized by the crime, by the litter, by the urine, the feces, the needles, this problem would go away in a short order. I almost look at them as um, they have taken our city hostage and we are the hostages, the residents are the hostages and Mike Johnston and his administration as well as the police officers are the defanged, inept hostage negotiators. And we are just allowing them to destroy this once vibrant, beautiful and pristinely clean city of Denver. This was a beautiful city. Um, I've got friends and colleagues who, they don't come here anymore. They don't come. So tell me, when did this get founded? You said that it started with the COVID shutdowns, but what brought it together? And what is it you want? Be, be specific. So who are you people? What the hell do you want? What's gonna make you go away and get back to your lives? So we officially founded, I think in 2021, but we got together after a core group of us were complaining on Nextdoor. And we were all saying the same thing when- Only people complain on Nextdoor. There's no, <laughs> there's no people go, what a beautiful day. Let's get together and just hug. No, is, all right, so is, complaining on Nextdoor. That is very true. But um, a lot of the things that we were seeing on Nextdoor were things where people were saying, this is a failure of the capitalist system and it needs to be in our face so that we can see it. Um, just the gambit of excuses. These are individuals down on their luck. And our group was like to, we labeled them service resistant campers. And we said, no, these people have mental health and drug addiction. They are a huge driving force of the crime in this city. They produce so much trash and they're just not good for the health of our city. So let's get together and do something. 
and we all got together and started having little Zoom meetings with people in Michael Hancock's administration, um, city council members, other groups like ourselves outside of Denver in cities like San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, um, Harlem in New York, um, also all over the US, we were finding that other cities were having these same issues. I'm really curious, how did you meet up with like-minded people in other cities? That, that's curious. How, I understand there are people like you everywhere. How did you find each other? Well, we reached out via email. We would just Google, like, who's this a group out there doing something similar that we are? Because we got to believe, and we still do, that it's legislative changes that the state of Colorado has made within the last probably seven years. They really started kicking off um, in 2019 is when we passed some legislation reclassification of felonies, no cash bail, and um, defelonized drugs. And when you get that trifecta going, which a lot of other states have, then you begin to have these problems proliferate. So we um, reached out to other groups like ours around the US, and we all formed a loose umbrella coalition that is uh, founded by a gentleman named Michael Schellenberger. And our group's name is North America Recovers. And we are able to bounce information off each other, just have a really big network of experts who can so help. Did Schellenberger found your group? Not our group, no. Citizens for a Safe and Clean Denver is a true grassroots nonpartisan. Did he found some other group? He founded a group called North America Recovers that we are all underneath. So there's like a, we heart Seattle in Seattle. Um, there is the California Peace Coalition. Uh, there's Mothers Against Fentanyl Deaths. So a lot of groups fall under this umbrella of North America. Now, when Recovers. you say Michael Schellenberger, there are people who are now just punching their their video screen, all right? Because Michael Schellenberger, a uh, pretty liberal guy, but uh, there's nothing, nothing more dangerous than a journalist who can do simple math. And that's, that's Schellenberger. And so when he's done math, he's angered environmentalists and he's angered the um, homeless industrial complex. Because when you start doing the math on both of those, you find out on one side, if you want to hit your carbon neutral goals, you're going to have to start embracing hydroelectric energy and nuclear power if you want to hit those goals. Uh, and you're going to have to, in third world countries, start uh, going up the scale. If you're, if you're burning um, cow dung, burning wood is better. If you're burning wood, burning coal is better. If you're burning coal, burning Natural gas is better. If you're burning natural gas, <laughs> uh, burning uh, splitting atoms is better. And it goes up that scale. Um, in the same way, in, um, um, San Francisco, the book he wrote, he really went through the, the complex, this industrial complex that is a service industry to, to the homeless encampments and this whole world around it that services more the same. I'll use my words. What you subsidize, you get more of. And we subsidize this behavior. What you tax, you get less of. And taxing it is things like law enforcement for crime. And we've stopped that law enforcement. We have found that this system, we also like to call it the homeless industrial complex. Interesting. Um, it is multi-billion, billion, billion all around the US. It is very well funded. It is, um, has very powerful nonprofits. 
It has extremely well-organized individuals and groups underneath these nonprofits. Um, they have phenomenal language where they put, you know, they go and focus test which words work best, what language works best to really... They're not homeless anymore. Now they're unhoused. They're now temporarily unhoused. Now they're just experiencing being unhoused. Those going through homelessness. Yeah, it's it's this person first silliness. You know, what, the people who defecate on our property at the Independence Institute, you know, we're the ones who have to clean it up. They're the ones who leave the needles. They're the ones who smash our windows. These are crimes, and I, I need it to stop. All right, so getting back to it here, you, you mentioned the cost. The, the mayor is spending $50,000 per pallet home that he's putting up. That's just just put up these homes. You know, that's above all the other hundreds of millions of dollars we spend subsidizing the services that many of these people are resistant to, to taking. So just to put it into perspective, we spend about $17,000 per student. And we're spending, um, I've seen estimates from $40,000. Yes, yes, public education. Um, and I've seen uh, estimates anywhere from $40,000 all the way up to $70,000 when you start factoring those second and third order consequences of how frequently do they use the emergency room system. Um, you know, just all of the things that really go into this, um, these figures. But yeah, it is just mind blowing what we are doing and we are willing to spend. The more we spend, the less our our outcomes, our our return is just hitting the bottom of the barrel. We're not getting the kind of outcomes we want. Homelessness is up 44% within the last five years in Denver, while we've had a population decline in the city. We are moving in the wrong direction. We are attracting these individuals to come to Denver that we are going to be basically the homeless capital of the Rockies. And I just really think Mike Johnston is very misguided on this. He thinks that when you get these people in the pallet homes with the quote-unquote wraparound services, that something will change. They all already have access to all of these existing services right now, and they choose not to use them. Is it fair he hasn't been in office all that long? All right, he's, he's got a, a few months under his belt. He campaigned on these micro-communities. He is fulfilling his campaign promise. So he's building them. There's going to be a thousand of them by the end of the year. That's what he promised to do. I cannot disagree with that at all. This was the number one thing that he did campaign on. Homelessness was his top issue, and this was going to be his solution. He did not hoodwink any of the voters. Um, he was very upfront and honest that he is going to bring these communities into people's neighborhoods. Um, I live in Five Points. I do not live far from here. Everyone, I think a lot of the voters assumed that they were just going to go in my neighborhood. And now they are finding out that they are going to go in everyone, everyone's neighborhood, including he is tying up the loose ends to put one in Cherry Creek, which he should have that maybe in about two weeks, get all that um, legal paperwork sorted. So everyone will get one. It's almost like, Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. <laughs> everyone will have one of their own communities. So we are, I mean, this is the repercussions of um, electing him as mayor. The obvious question, Vanessa, you're just a NIMBY. You don't want these people in your neighborhood. You don't want to look at them because you're a classist. Uh, and so what 
the hell do you want, lady? I just cannot sit by idly with my mouth closed and allow people to die in filth of a perfectly treatable disease, which is addiction. We know what, how to treat addiction, and you do not treat addiction by giving people needles, giving them subsidized drugs like they do up in Canada. You do not increase and expand access to the things that are going to kill these people. And I believe that if we are spending $256 million is what Denver's spending, we should at least have the option of treatment and have a robust on-demand treatment system. And Don't we, we already have that? We do not have any. If someone woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm gonna stop smoking fentanyl, let me go get treatment. We do not have something to where they can get in treatment right then and right there. We will give you needles. We will pass out all of this other stuff that does not help you actually change your life for the better. So I would like to see um, the sphere of solutions expanded. I would like to see the laws enforced. It's not that difficult. I find it fascinating that Colorado Springs, drive down an hour south, doesn't have this problem, at least not to this magnitude, in any way, shape, or form. And it's because they enforce the sleeping ban. They enforce the camping ban. And when they arrest people for trespass, arrest people for breaking windows and littering and, and uh, urinating and all the rest, those people are given a choice. Either you go to jail for the crime or you go to the shelter and you have to stay there. And the uh, Colorado Springs Rescue Mission, run by a great guy, Jack Briggs, did a show here. Please go look it up on YouTube. Fascinating guy. You know, they really have to decide, do they stay there get sober and stay at the shelter to avoid the jail time, and that means they've got to stay clean, um, or do they just bug out and go to a more welcoming, easier place? Where could that be? Oh, where could that be? North uh, up 25. I don't know. And, and so the system works there, and the people who stay, who get the help they need, it changes their lives. Step Denver, formerly Step 13, is another great example of people who, who are willing to get the help they do, that they need. It's, it's amazing to see their lives transform. But at some point, the victims of the crimes, they matter too. The kids who used to play in playgrounds, who can't walk on the grass anymore, they matter. The people and the shop owners who now have to clean up other people's feces, they matter too. The businesses who don't want to come here, they matter too. You know, the 1,500 or so hardcore addicts living on streets and mentally disturbed people who will never get help until they are institutionalized by force, they need help. All of us need help from the crimes that are being committed. And that the city turns their back on us is so ugly and cruel and inhumane. And I don't know why people are taking it. I don't understand it. And so I applaud groups like yours. Um, what's been the repercussion for you? I know that people are, are, are praising you as a saint. Yes. Uh, they're calling you wonderful things online. Uh, how's it going? I have been called everything from a Nazi, 
uh, racist, of just, course. Just because of your party affiliation. You're, <laughs> no. you're with the National Socialist. Uh, <laughs> yes, you know. No, I've been called every single name, including that, quote, I want homeless people to literally die. And we are not the ones that are advocating for more drugs, more access to drugs, and to allow these individuals to die in filth. When you look at these problems, it is so much bigger than Mike Johnston. Um, let's just say Mike Johnston woke up tomorrow and he said, you know what, I'm going to direct Chief Thomas and have the police begin enforcing the law. They can take a case to our DA, Beth McCann, and she is not going to prosecute. That individual will be let out on bail on a dollar PR, a personal recognizance bond. There are so many different moving parts to this that have allowed this just systemic failure and breakdown to occur. And it is happening in cities all around the US. Once you start getting the judicial reform as well as the legislative reform, um, as well as criminal justice reform, now you have just this perfect environment, almost like the perfect storm for crime and all of these things that no one wants in their city to be allowed to proliferate and a very small minority, 1,500 people, to hold a city of over 700,000 hostage. I say there's about 5,000 homeless at any given point in time. They do a point in time study. But that point in time includes people who are sheltered. Yes. And it's about 1,200 who are not sheltered the truly unhoused at any point in time. So out of a city of nearly 800,000, a metro area of two point, what, almost three million, this is not, you know, that is a really small number doing an amazingly devastating amount of, of damage. All right, I still, need, I still need more here, Vanessa. Okay. All right, so you're angry, we're all angry. Johnston didn't cause this problem. City council caused the problem. Legislators have caused this problem. It started seven years ago. I, I'll argue it started 15 plus years ago with Mayor Hickenlooper's uh, road home. I think that was the turning point. That was the light switch. That was the valve that opened up that started this raining of subsidies uh, that said, come here, you'll get treated very, very well will shower you with all sorts of uh, goodness. Uh, bring us your tired, bring us, bring us your fentanyl addicted. Come on over here, we've, we've got it all. If you were to have one, one policy change, just one policy change, you had a, a magic arrow and you could change one thing, what would it be? Oh, wow, that's hard. I would roll back the cash, no cash bond. Um, a former Chief Payson was telling us a story, Citizens for a Safe and Clean Denver, which you can find us at safeandcleandenver.com. He was telling us a story of a gentleman who was out on parole. He was arrested 11 times in 18 months. Three of those times involved guns. One of them, he wrecked a minibike and was waving guns at kids that came over to help him. He received personal recognizant bonds for each one of those re-offenses that he had. And then on the 11th offense in a year and a half, he killed someone. How did anyone not see that coming? Why, I mean, just public safety is no longer a concern. So the same legislature that just went on a tear on gun control 
doesn't care about this guy's gun control. No. Now, was that a state law or was that a city council? That is um, SB 271. Yeah, right. That was state, state law. Yes. And it is statewide. Um, the parole board could have revocated his parole. I think he may have been on probation too, so that he could have had his probation revocated. A judge could have given him a bond and said, you know, I'm going to set you a high cash bond because I can see you're kind of acting out of control. There were so many opportunities that this person should have been incapacitated. And he wasn't, and he went on to take someone's life. And you can't say, oh, he, you know, when they interview his neighbors, oh, I never saw that coming. He was such a polite guy. No, everyone knew that he was on that trajectory. And lo and behold, he, he killed someone. We called the cops to try to get the homeless, the passed out, um, the crazed who won't get off our property, off our property. We try to wake them up. Sometimes you cannot wake them up. And you have to call the cops. I called the cops. Stop calling the non-emergency line. Called 911. We've had to call and have gotten cut off after being on hold for five minutes. Called again, and uh, it took four hours for the police to show up. These poor guys look like death warm over. I've told the story many times, but it's so telling. The guy was finally gone, and I said, how bad is it? Cop said, I arrested a guy yesterday for stealing four cars. Later on in the day, I arrested the very same guy for stealing another car. Now, the cops don't arrest people for trespassing. It's, they don't. They say, move along. They just say, move along. They'll, they'll do a little trick. If I, I'm going to be back here in 15 minutes. If you're still here, I'm going to arrest you. Yeah. They're not back in 15 minutes. Yeah. It, it's a game. It's, it's all just for show. Uh, all right. That's what you want. What is realistic? Vanessa, we don't have a whole lot of time. So come on. What do you really think is in the realm of possibility? You gave me the wish list. What's in the realm of possibility? We've got a progressive governor, progressive legislature, progressive courts, a progressive city council. This is the city you live in, in the crazy state you live in. Do you honestly think this is going to get any better? Um, yes, when we go outside of Denver and outside Colorado, um, Mayor London Breed of San Francisco just said that she is going to start drug testing individuals receiving welfare or city funds. We have seen um, the DA in San Francisco, Brooke Jenkins, begin to prosecute those low-level um, felonies, uh, very similar to what Giuliani did to clean up New York with Police Chief Bill Bratton. Maybe we need to go and get a little tougher and get into that old broken windows policing, the people that, crim, criminals don't specialize. It's not like someone's like, oh, I just rob cars. I don't break into people's houses. You know, that that's beneath me. So a lot of this crime overlaps. So if we were to target the people who break the law, we would really clean up our city quick. It would help the city save money. And we would all be happier, healthier individuals for it. And then in jail, these individuals can receive the treatment that they need. They can get either um, mental health or drug addiction treatment. Lady, you might not be listening to me. That's not happening here, all right? That is not in the realm of who we have here. Do you really think the people of Denver are going to elect a city council? Or do you think that um, this mayor 
is going to put in a police chief that's going to do that? Or do you think we're going to get a DA to replace Beth McCann, who is really going to start enforcing laws? Beth McCann hasn't. The previous DA didn't. Do you really think we're going to get a tough on crime, small crime DA? Is that in the realm of reality? I think when people, when every neighborhood gets one of these tiny home villages and they see what they are really about, um, that they are not getting any better, even with the, you know, famed wraparound services, people are going to demand change. They're going to say, hey, this is not actually what I signed up for. It is okay to reverse course. It is okay to say um, that I do not like how things are going. I also think a lot of the voters have basically been um, emotionally manipulated and gaslit into saying this is the only option how to treat these service-resistant campers. These are only tools in the toolkit. And if you do not go along with this, then you are a racist, misogynistic, homophobic, you know, the, the phobes and the ists. And I think, yeah, I'm going to call myself a garden variety um, phobe because, you know, they just throw phobe at me all the time. But um, I think people will actually demand change when it is in their backyard and they really see what's going on. It's no longer downtown's issue. Why won't these micro communities solve the problem? I would love if they would. But when you look at their track record in other cities, um, they just do not work. Mike Johnston is not going to screen for sex offenders or violent criminals. So you're going to have potentially sex offenders uh, in your neighborhood where your child rides their bike. There is no sort of bar to entry. We call these low barrier shelters where it is come one, come all, which those are necessary to get people off the streets. But what we at Citizens for a Safe and Clean Denver would like to see is different levels of entry. So some, we need a women's only community. Some, we want a sober community so that people can get the treatment that they need. Um, I don't know what where you put the sex offenders, but I don't think they should. Go. Maybe just let them have their own tiny home village way out in the middle of nowhere by the airport. But instead, we're putting them in every single person's neighborhood. So you want a segregated tiny home world. Yes, I do. And that way we can see what works. We can see what's beneficial, what is not. Where are we wasting money? What is really working? And when we find something that's working, we can scale that solution up. Because you don't think that sober people should be mixed in with the druggies. You don't think the kids should be mixed in with the sex offenders. You don't think the ones who have records of physical abuse should be mixed in with the families. Correct. I'm one of those You're people. one of those people. Yes. The phobes and the ists. You're yes. a phobist. Yes, I'm a phobist. Let's, let's just go ahead and term the phobists. Yes. All right, then, then let me, let's go on to, this, to, the, to the next issue. We have these tiny communities. If they don't work, which they won't, these tiny communities, what we're doing with Housing First is we're allowing, the, we're allowing taxpayers to have a nice place for criminals to lay down their heads after a nice day of breaking the law. That's what we have. All right, so now we have a nicer place for people to sleep. Is it better than a tent? Maybe. A lot of people will still be out on the streets. They'll still be committing the crimes. They'll just have a nicer place to lay their head. Could be an improvement. All right, we'll see. The problem is 
that there is a cancel culture out there that if you speak up and say, I am tired of seeing human filth, feces, urine, used condoms, needles, vomit all over. I'm tired of seeing the litter. I'm tired of the crime that if you dare speak up, you become a phobist. You're a racist, Nazi, a homeless phobe. You're all these things and you're a bad person. And that's where people like me and now people like you come in that, yeah, call me, a, you can call us in the names. Yeah. Call us in the names. Let us care. be the icebreakers. We don't care anymore. All right. But more people have to stand up so that Michael Johnston, so that the city understands there's a movement afoot that we're not going to take it, that the city is worth saving, that the state is worth saving, and that these 1,200 people that are, that are holding the whole city hostage, we're not going to put up with it anymore, and we have to hold them responsible. And in fact, now that the world is so sensitive about being called names, we don't care about being called names. The city is worth saving. And if the cost is we're going to get called names when, when we go to the PTA meeting or at the supermarket, fine, because I'm tired of kids getting poked with needles and stepping in human feces when they walk out the door. I don't care about being called names because I know my own heart, I know how I conduct myself, and I know my own principles and values. So if you want to stand up and call me a name, it, some of the names, honestly, are kind of funny. Um, so it doesn't really get to me, but I've noticed a lot of my neighbors, it, it does affect them. They are also, afraid. They're just they're afraid to speak up. Yeah, like, oh, someone on the internet doesn't like me. I'm like, you don't know them anyway. You know, who cares if they don't like you? So we need to get over our fear of, um, you know, Frank3759 on Twitter saying something mean about you. Who really cares? Look what you're fighting for. And don't, don't let the people that want to ruin your city live or win. They want, to, they want to completely destroy everything that we love and hold dear about Denver. And they will, they, they just, they will do whatever they, they want to do to, you know, meet their goals. It's funny that they call us the haters. Yeah. So I've gotten so tired of cleaning, cleaning up shit around our building. For those who don't know, the Independence Institute gathered a lot of donors' money to buy this beautiful building close to the Capitol to fulfill our mission. And we love this building. And the people who helped buy this building love this building. And it has been vandalized. It, it, we're constantly cleaning up needles and vomit and urine and human feces. How do we know it's human feces? Because animals don't usually use paper towels and and toilet paper to wipe themselves afterwards and leave it there. Now, do we leave it there? No, we have to clean it up. I clean it up. We try not to have the ladies of the office clean it up. Why? Because chivalry isn't dead. And <laughs> because they wouldn't anyway. And so the other day, I cleaned it up, and I took it to the steps of, the, of City Hall, and I dropped it off there. And I threw it on the steps and said, you guys have it. And I want more people to do this because they're the ones who made this happen. They enabled this. And it's time for some civil disobedience. It's time for us to pick up this shit, the litter, the needles, and drop it off there, and continue to drop it off there. 
we have to pick it up anyway. You know, there was a dumpster. There are trash cans. These kids, these kids, these adults could have cleaned up their own mess. People walk their dogs on our property and they dump on the grass. Each and every time, people clean that up. The people who crap on our, on our property, they don't. Think of that. I mean, think of that. They, 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 don't, they don't have the decency to do that, but we're supposed to care about them. So I want this movement to happen. And the woman for, uh, what is it, the Homeless Coalition, Coalition for the Homeless? Yes, yeah. Britta Fisher. Yes, yeah, she, she, made, she made the comment, I think that was her, made the comment, well, we don't even know if, it's, if, if that's human poop or, or, or whose poop that is. Well, let me tell you, it's homeless poop. Come, come on down next time it happens. You can clean it up with me. No, it was definitely homeless poop. We clean it up enough. And just the, talk about the hate, you know, the, the idea that, oh, no, I'd, pick, I'd fake poop to drop on, <laughs> on City Hall. Yeah, I'm going to fake shit to throw on. No, no, let me tell you, for those haters out there, and you are the haters out there, because you don't want an opposing opinion. You guys have had your opinion now since, since the road home, and it's failed, all right? Here's another opinion. It's time to clean up the streets. And when there's human shit on our doorstep, and you tell me I'm lying, maybe you're the haters. No, this human shit has got to stop. The needles have got to stop. Admit there are other victims. Just admit there are other victims. I admit these people need help. I admit they have mental illness. I admit they're drug addicted. I admit they need help and we should spend money helping them. Will you admit that they are victimizing people and those people need not to be victimized by their crime? Uh, fun fact about Britta Fisher, who is the um, head uh, CEO of Colorado Coalition for the Homeless. She makes $382,000 a year I don't think she is very concerned, actually, with incentives, how this, these systems are incentivized to want to change any of this. this is, these systems are just so perversely incentivized that she can't stand up and say the children that have to see someone naked um, masturbating in front of Safeway, that the children are victims of any sort of crime or violation. The man who's doing that is the one that needs help, and he, we need to you know, bend over backwards to allow him to continue his behavior unchecked and just have at it. He's the one that is the victim in her eyes of the system. And there are more victims that I'm seeing every day and that we talk to every day, small business owners that have to sweep people away from their front door so that their customers can come in and give them money so that we can get that sales tax so that we can then turn around and fund these homeless programs. There really is more victims in these systems than anyone on the other side of this argument would even like to admit. And we outnumber them. And I say, if you're not getting mad, you're not paying attention. But yet, people who are being victimized by these vagrants, by these criminals, by these poor people who are mentally ill, we are scared to speak up. We're scared to speak up because they're gonna call us names. How messed in the head are we that we are afraid, we are victimized, but yet we're afraid to stand up and clean up that poop, clean up that trash, and throw it on the steps of City Hall.
It is time for this shit to end. Going back to my hostage taker analogy, it's almost like we all have Stockholm syndrome and we're starting to relate to our hostage taker and say, you know, oh yes, they are the true victims. We have done something wrong to deserve this. And that is another thing that at Citizens for Safe and Clean Denver, we like to give businesses and residents a voice. That when people do think, this is not right, this is insane, this is upside down, that we are there to say, yeah, you're right, it's totally insane. Don't worry, you haven't gone insane. These people have gone insane. People need to support you because even if they can't say it or feel that they cannot say it because they'll be told they're mean, where do they go? How can they give you a few dollars? How can they help you help them find a voice? Our website, uh, safeandcleandenver.com. Safeandcleandenver.com. Safeandcleandenver.com is a phenomenal resource. We have everything on there from who your city council member is, state rep, to how to speak at city council, how to contact people in government that you need to contact to be able to complain. We have uh, so much information about this victimization and victimology mindset that really explains, here's what's going on, here's how people will use language against you and paint you as the insensitive one, when all you're saying is, I don't think people should die in a tent of drug addiction. You know, just a really good resource on all sorts of great stuff, Denver and homelessness. And we also have a phenomenal newsletter where we watch the city council meetings. We watch the um, homeless uh, committee every week and we write up synopsis, send that out to all of our followers, as well as we are keeping a very close eye on Mike Johnston's 1000 Home program. And all this costs somebody how much? It is all free since we are a 100% volunteer organization. None of us have ever received a penny from any of this. In fact, in the first year and a half, we were we funded it. We paid wait, wait, for wait, wait a minute. <laughs> so the chick who runs the homeless coalition makes how much? $382,000 a year. You make how much? Zero dollars from this. None of us have ever made a penny. That's kind of interesting. That says a lot. You also need volunteers. We do. We do. We are. We have some fun things that we're planning. When Mike Johnston's uh, phenomenal plan goes off the, the rails and doesn't actually accomplish what he wants it to, we are going to um, plan something for the city so that everyone can get together and say, stop with this. This is not working. Just because you do something harder and try harder, it's not going to work. It's The plan has failed from its inception. You understand he will be under immense pressure to keep with it because the people who supported him, the progressives who threw their uh, backers behind him, will never be able to get behind what they believe to be racist law enforcement to clean up the streets. Well, maybe when they get a tiny home village of their own, they will have a change of thought. Maybe they will sing a different tune. I do not believe the Michael Bloomberg-backed machine. <laughs> I don't believe that... Reed uh, Hoffman as well. Reed Hoffman. Yeah. I don't believe that Lisa Calderon and, um, help me out, the other woman who was running for city council. Leslie Herod. Leslie Herod. I don't think that those people who threw their support behind him are going to say, you're right. It's time to start enforcing the law. 
Well, they are allowed to have their own opinion. But when the rest of us get a strong voice, you know, from many, one, and we're all singing the same tune, they're not going to have a choice. The roles are going to be reversed and they are going to be in my position where we are currently the minority. They will be the minority. And hopefully we laugh them out of town. Say, you know, go ruin someone else's city and state. I agree with you with the one policy, which is get rid of um, uh, cashless bail. Let me switch to the one magic wand. I wish people were not afraid to speak up and speak loudly about how they truly feel because they're afraid to be called racist, mean, uh, whatever it is, because in their hearts, they feel very much like you do. They are sorry that these people are drug addicted. They're sorry that they're crazy. They're sorry that they're making bad decisions, but they're tired of being victimized and victims of crime. They're tired of seeing their city crumble and they want the laws enforced, but they don't want to say it because we live in a hypersensitive world of cancel culture and in a city like Denver, where your businesses could be boycotted, your kids could be made fun of in school. Um, you know, when, <laughs> when the head of the um, gay Republican group here in Colorado, log cabin Republicans, the head of the whole state said, you know, I feel fine wearing my I'm gay hat on, my gay pride hat. But if I wore my Trump hat, I'd be worried I'd get beat up. You know, when he, when he says that, that tells me exactly the problem here, that they're scared of, of being able to say their true voice. This city will never be cleaned until people find their voice the way that you did, Vanessa. That's, the, that's it. Well, one of the beauties of voting is you don't have to tell everyone who you vote for. And we vote from home. So if it makes you feel gross after voting, go upstairs and take a shower. But it's not the voting. It's not the voting. It will not change until people start protesting. It's not going to start until they start talking to their neighbors proudly and say, no, I've had it. None of this housing first stuff. No, they need to uh, clean up the streets. No, they need to arrest people when they break the law and keep them in jail. There's nothing, this is not crazy talk. No, no, it's not. Uh, Listen to this. This is not crazy talk. Here it goes. When people break the law, they should be arrested and kept in jail. That's not crazy talk. No. You know, this is not Nazi talk. This is, this is clean. When people drop needles, they should be forced to clean it up themselves. When they litter, they should be forced to clean it up themselves. That's not crazy talk. When people defecate on private property, they should be forced to clean it up themselves. It's a crime. If they don't, they should be arrested and put in jail. It's a biohazard. There. It's not, it's not that hard. I think a lot of the people that are still fighting this tooth and nail and supporting these failed policies, they don't come to Five Points. They don't go to Cap Hill. They don't go downtown. They don't really know the gravity of what they're really supporting because it just sounds good and feels good. When I've had about a half a dozen encampments in front of my home, um, of course, I live in Denver, so all of my neighbors are different varieties of the left wing. None of them, after having encampments in front of their home, 
support any of the politicians that support these. So that's why a part of me is almost like, yes, spread it out. Every neighborhood will get this so that people can say, oh my gosh, this is really what this is like. This is what these people are putting in people's neighborhoods. We need change. We demand we change. Need, we need the encampments in the burbs. That's what we need. We need these rolling encampments to hit the suburbs and then we'll get there. This has been great. Thank you for what you do. It's brave. Well, thank you very much, and John. What you need is to double the numbers and double them again, and then this problem goes away. Yep. Thank you All so right. much for having me. My pleasure. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend, and I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.